whoever your quarterback happens to be. I don't know who our quarterback is right now. But there's a play that gets set. Then when they walk up to the line, they see something in the coverage and they change the play at the line. It's called an audible. And so yesterday when I went into my study ready to go over the plan that I thought I was going to preach on today, the Lord threw an audible. And I'm going to share that audible with you today, but it will still be in the context of our vision of God's diverse kingdom. But turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. And after hearing how the Lord led the brothers to lead worship today, I really want to be sensitive to his spirit and how he's moving. Because believe it or not, some of us come to church burdened. And as Edwin was saying, I'm glad you came. Even if you limped in here, I'm glad you're here. But above all, the Lord is glad you're here because great things happen in the community of believers when we worship the Lord. From things that I hear during the week as a pastor, I know that you're in a fight as much as I'm in a fight. And we need to be encouraged to not quit and not give up. And so that's the direction of this message today, to encourage people who may be struggling in their bodies with health, struggling in their families with relationships, struggling with their finances, wonder if they're going to make it, get that job, get that house, get that car, get out of debt, for those who may be dealing with a number of issues, I hope and pray that today through this audible, God will bless you. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for how you're moving. Man devises the way, but you direct the steps. Holy Spirit, we do pray, have your way. Teach us more about Jesus. For Jesus, you said that the comforter would come and he would bring glory to you. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us Jesus, that we may worship him, that right now, Lord, we're getting a taste of what heaven is going to be, the uninterrupted, never-ending worship of our Lord in all languages, in all languages, not just English, not just Spanish but in all languages around the throne, singing worthy is the lamb who was slain. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us back to God by your blood. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your resurrection. You are alive. You are God. This is your church. You're the head of it. You're the cornerstone of it. You're everything in between. Do a work in this body that will break the mold. Use us to change this community. And as Aubrey prayed, the state, the country, even the world, use us in spite of us. We give you the glory now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is our verse 
that we use that gives us our vision as a church. Because in this verse, we see race. In this verse, we see class. In this passage, Galatians Galatians 3.28, we see gender. But above all, we see Jesus. Above all, we see Jesus who puts our race, our class, our gender in the proper perspective. Because our oneness in him supersedes our natural distinctions that come from him and by him. For I did not make myself African, African-American, African-American male who was born in Baltimore, migrated here to Tennessee. He's ordered my steps. He makes no junk and he makes no mistakes. He's a God of providence, not accidents. And so he has a plan. He's meticulous in detail. And so we are a part of his kingdom. Strong Tower Bible Church is just one small piece of the puzzle of what God is doing in these last days. And when we woke up today, we are one day closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Does anybody believe that he's coming again? I believe that he is coming again. But until then, he left the church here to occupy until he comes. And even to reflect heaven. Because as Edwin said, our citizenship is in heaven. Even though we live here, yes, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm more proud to be a son of God. And I'm so glad to be a part of his kingdom, a diverse kingdom where Jesus said, Lord, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our vision as a church is to experience God's diverse kingdom across race and class and gender and to expand this diverse kingdom in this city and around the world. Because Jesus called all of his disciples to be global and not just local. Because Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. So we are to be global simply by virtue of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because I'm afraid that if we just focus on local and we gaze in our own navels, we'll become self consumed, self-preoccupied, when God wants us to have a global view, a worldview that is bigger and greater than our own little world and where we live, because God is everywhere. And my wife said when we were going to Haiti, the Lord spoke to her from Isaiah chapter 6 when the angel said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so she said, Haiti is full of the glory of the Lord because the Lord is there. America is not just the only place that's full of his glory. As a matter of fact, his glory may be experienced to a deeper level amongst impoverished people who don't have as many trappings of wealth as we have that tend to get us distracted. So often when I sit down to pray in my office, it's hard to stay focused because my computer or my phone is chiming and ringing. But when you don't have technology in your home, maybe not even electricity or running water, and all you have is the Lord, for many people, that's all they need. That's why I need my brothers and sisters around the world who are in the so-called third world to remind me that I'm not a part of this world, but I'm part of a better world. Is anybody a part of that world with me? Amen. 
So that is the kingdom of God. And so today, I want to talk to you about this diverse kingdom in a different way because the reason why we still see so much homogeneity or black churches or black Christians hanging with black Christians or Asian fellowships and white fellowships is because to come together is not easy. To cross denominational, yet alone racial and class walls that we set up is not easy. Matter of fact, it can be tense sometimes. Some of y'all got nervous when Edwin said he's from a Pentecostal background. Because based upon your background, you didn't mix with Pentecostals the same way that Jews and Samaritans did mix. But Jesus is trying to show you that the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than where you came from. That's good for us to all be stretched like new wineskins, moldable, adaptable to what the new wine of the Spirit of God is doing through truth, as my brother said, and not be fixed in our ways. Because if you come to this church, forget this church, if you try to walk with God and you're fixed in your ways, you're going to burst. He wants you to be flexible. Let him mold you and shape you and lead you and guide you. Your life is his life. Your life is not your life. It's his if you've trusted in Christ. Let him lead you. And I'm so glad he led you for such a time as this to this church that doesn't have it all together, never has, never will. If you're looking for a perfect church, the minute you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. Can somebody say amen? We're in process, but it's a good process. But in the midst of this, there's tension. There's uneasiness. But beyond the church, man, there's tension in life. You heard two men testify about tension, stress, who took a moment and got humble and open, talked about debt, Some of us said, I'll never get, I would never put my business out there. You're not free yet. Because when you get free, you don't worry about what people think. And you know God's in control. So look, man, that's why I took my cufflinks off. I'm like, I ain't got to look sharp in front of y'all. Y'all know I can look sharp when I want to look sharp. Forget the outward, man. Lord, deal with my heart. Break me down. Whatever you got to do. And Edwin said, I like how you said it. The wounds that you went through are things that God will use to help bring healing to other people. Like Paul said, he bears in his bodies the marks of Christ. And so those testimonies, tell your testimony about what he's brought you through. Don't let us think you've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost your whole life. No, tell them about me. My wife and I have been sideways for a few months. My kids just don't listen to me. Man, I'm struggling on my job. I can't find a job because I believe the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. But it's the proud that he knows from afar. So if we can't be real in here, we'll never be real out there. 
And it's a shame that men who are dealing with sexual addictions find more freedom in sex anonymous where they can get together and talk than they can ever find in a local church because the church don't talk about that stuff. Well, this church talk about that stuff and a whole lot of other stuff. And if you can't handle that stuff, there's a nice, comfortable, cozy little parish right around the corner from, from here. But, man, Jesus is coming. We got work to do. John Hancock is ministering this Tuesday in a bar. Praise the Lord. Do you know when I was coming up, there's no way I would have been ministering in a bar. I would have been condemning people in the bar. But I think the Bible talks about how Jesus sat down with folk. Now, don't y'all drink none. Y'all too young. But Jesus sat down. I love how y'all are breaking the mold. Your music is different. Your approach is different. I pray that God would just continue to anoint you with great songs, but above all, great boldness to make his name known. Whether his name is known in your song specifically or just your speaking kingdom principles in your music. I pray that he just uses you. And that doesn't always look like record sales and all that mess. I just pray that he uses you. Where's New Hope Academy? Where's Stuart? Is Stuart in here today? Oh, man. Just got accreditation. God is doing great stuff in the school. You're continuing to serve the least of these. And it seemed like every year or Er year, New Hope is struggling to make budget. You know, and people have told y'all, it ain't going to work, Stuart. Giving those scholarships to underserved children and, and all that stuff. And, and, but, man, it seemed like every year y'all struggle, but every year you make it. I wonder why. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And whenever you give to the poor, you're giving to God's people, and God will take care of anybody that takes care of the poor. Because I'm, I I'm convinced that when we build the kingdom, God will take care of buildings, bodies, and budgets. Let us focus on the kingdom. He'll take care of the stuff we need. Seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff, light bills, gas bills, phone bills, baby need a pair of shoes, all of that will be added. Oh, my God. He owns it all. But that ain't the message. All that was for free. As Raul said, Pastor, what you got for me? In this passage, y'all, you're going to see tension. And it's okay to have tension. We do not have Christianity light. Christianity light does not have tension in it. Christianity light does not have challenges and problems. Christianity light doesn't have any questions. It knows everything. But no, man. I don't have Christianity light. I got Christianity heavy, man. It's heavy. And in Christianity heavy, there are questions, there are issues, there are problems, there's tension. But in the midst of it all, there's a God who says, I will never leave you and I will not forsake you. And before he speaks to the storm around us and says, shalom, he speaks to the storm in you and says, it is I. Do not be afraid. I am here. Then he gets in the boat and speaks to the storm. So, Lord, speak to the stuff in me. Call me down. Let me know whose I am and who I am. It don't matter what's going on around me when I know who I am in you. And that's what's going on. That's how he's growing us. In this passage today, you're going to see racial tension. In this passage today, you're going to see gender tension. You're also going to see class tension. And in the midst of all the tension, you're going to see Jesus. <laughs> Oh, my, oh, my, oh, let me, let me get on my horse and go. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Do you have it? I gave you enough time to get it. Say amen. Oh, here we go. 
Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Did you see it? There was racial tension, gender tension, class tension in this passage. And in the midst of the tension was the Lord of all. Well, here's the main point today, that when you experience tension in life, and we're going to experience tension, the temptation is to quit, to give up, to give up on the job, to give up on the marriage, to give up on the family, to give up on school, to give up on the church, to give up on America, to give up. But when you experience tension in life, don't quit. The pain you endure is not greater than the prize you will receive. Matter of fact, when we follow Christ, we learn from him that before there was a crown, there was a cross. There was suffering, as my friend Jeff Schulte preached weeks ago. We got to go through some stuff. We can't go around it. We can't go under it. Splish, splash, we must go through it. Because when we go through it, that's how we grow. A little boy saw a caterpillar that was in the middle of his transformation in becoming a butterfly. And as it was attempting to come out of the shell, its former shell of a caterpillar, to get its wings out of the casing, a little boy helped it out and pulled it out. And when he pulled it out, the butterfly didn't fly. It stayed there, and it just flopped around. And the mother said, you thought you were helping that butterfly by pulling it out of its casing when what you really did was you hurt it. The boy said, what do you mean? Well, in order for a butterfly to fly, it's got to develop the proper muscles in its wings. And those muscles get developed through the tension and the friction of coming out of the shell. But because you aborted the process and helped it out and pulled it out, it didn't develop what it needed in order to fly. So now it's missed its purpose for creation, and it's going to die. And God loves us too much to pull us out of things, to make it easy for us. He'll join us in the fire so that the fire can bring us forth like gold. 
I've never ever enjoyed being in one trial or test I've been in, but I can tell you I sure enjoy the, pro the, the product that it brought forth. When I look back and say, Lord, look what we came through together, but while I was in it, I was like, oh, 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 oh. Tension. It's a good thing. Here it is real quick. This lady endured relational tension. Verses 21 through 23, when Jesus is in this Gentile area, he leaves Galilee and goes further north into the region of Phoenicia. He's in Tyre and Sidon. He, according to Mark's gospel, finds a house. He's just trying to get away to have some alone time. But the people heard about it, not only the Jews, but Gentiles in Phoenicia. And this woman in particular comes to the house where Jesus is because she's got a need. And she tells Jesus what her need is, and she says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. I looked at that. I said, now, severely demon-possessed? That's almost as if you're trying to say, well, there is a mild demon possession, and then there's severe demon. But I thought demon possession was demon possession. But severe must really mean that this child is really going through it. Now, the text doesn't tell us how this child got possessed with a demon. We just know that it is. And this woman does the best she can with what she has, and she goes to Jesus. And when she goes to Jesus, the Bible says in verse 23, he did not answer her a word. Wow. This doesn't fit into our portfolio of what we think Jesus should be like. As American believers, we think that the Lord is there waiting on us and that he's just so ready to talk to us and meet us where we are and all that. And I'm being facetious because, yes, the Lord is here, and, yes, he wants us to come to him. Yes, he's present. But sometimes the way that he responds to us, it doesn't fit our systematic theology or our selfish preoccupation. Jesus didn't answer her a word. And there are people in our church who feel bad that when they go to God, they don't get a word from God like somebody else got a word from God. And they're beginning to wonder, do they really have a relationship with Jesus? Because, man, I should have gotten a word from God by now about my direction, about my future, about this. About, but somebody else got a word. And I'm here to tell you that, no, he is no respecter of persons, but he treats and deals with each one of his children differently. So although his word to you may be delayed, don't you dare believe that it is denied. Because in the waiting is how he develops perseverance. In the waiting, he wants to know if you're going to ask again, if you're going to dig some more. But the Lord didn't answer a word. Now, when some folk experience this kind of tension, they give up on the Lord and they walk out. Because he didn't bellhop for them right then and there. A lot of people quit. He didn't answer my prayer. I'm gone. I told you he wasn't real. Hold on. He has a plan. Now, I heard this. It's kind of corny, but I think it's true. When you're in the middle of a test at New Hope Academy or J.T. Moore Middle School or Brentwood Middle or Brentwood High School, Brentwood Academy, Franklin High School, Centennial High School. When you're in the middle of a test, 
the teacher does not talk during the test. Because they want to know, can you put into practice what I've been trying to teach you all week long? And when you're in the middle of a test sometime, God won't talk. Because he want to know, can you put into practice what I gave you? Were you listening when I was talking? Because now it's time to apply what you know. So I'm just going to step back. I'm watching. I'm just not talking. I just want to encourage somebody today that he may not be talking right now, but, oh, he's going to talk. He's going to speak. Don't you give up. But not only was there a silent Savior, y'all, there were some insensitive disciples. These brothers did not care what this woman was going through. They said, uh, Lord, please send her away because now she's coming after us. When you didn't talk to her, now she's coming talking to the deacon board and the elders. Now, Lord, send her away. Oh, I love this woman because this woman is like, okay, I can't get to the Lord, but I'm going to get to people who are associated with the Lord, and I'm going to talk to them. Relational barrier. Even they didn't have time for her. But what did she do? She kept on going. Now, what a lot of people would have done right there, they would have given up right there. I came to that church, and nobody talked to me. Maybe that don't happen with y'all because y'all here. But there are people who leave churches. They didn't talk to me. So you want to let people that didn't talk to you get in your way of getting from God what you need from God didn't say hi this morning. He walked right by me. Really, folks? A lot of people give up when they get a little bit of tension like this. She came in there with a huge problem, a demon-possessed child. And it seemed like, it seemed like nobody cared about her problem but her. And what happens when people come to church, you come in with these issues and problems, and they're in the forefront of your life. And if other people don't feel what you feel, see what you see, drop everything and help you right then and there, you think that the church don't care about you. And you quit and you give up. But once again, the disciples, they're falling. Mm, I'm falling. I have certain communicable attributes of God, and so do you. Like love, that's a communicable attribute. He has it, he gives it to you. The Holy Spirit sheds love abroad in our heart. But then there are incommunicable attributes that only God has, like omniscience. Pastor should have read my mind. No, pastor, I don't know. Sister so-and-so should have been there for me. She's not all not present. But who does know everything? Who can be everywhere? And who's got all power? God. Get your mind and eyes off of the folk. We'll let you down. That's usually one of the first things I try to say to people coming to church. Get ready. We're going to let you down. And guess what? You're going to let us down too. Hey, everybody, let's cheer up. We're worse off than we think we are. But we got a God who still loves us and transforms us every day by grace. Let's go together. Let's go. <laughs> when there's grace in my life, I can give it away. Oh, 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 yeah. She endured relational tension. But then she also endured religious tension. Pastor, what you mean? Verse 24, 
Jesus got the nerve to say, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And this lady is not an Israelite. She is a Canaanite. So Jesus talked about there's a religious distinction here. Israel, Jewish people, Canaanite, Gentile. And not only was she a Gentile, y'all, follow me on this now. She's a Canaanite. Who are the Canaanites? They are a cursed people, according to the book of Genesis, when Noah cursed Canaan, not Ham. <laughs> Let me throw it in reverse a little bit more. Who is Ham? One of the sons of Noah. Who is Ham? He is the progenitor of dark-skinned peoples. Japheth is the progenitor of bright or fair-skinned people. Shem, Noah's other son, whose name means olive or dusky, is the father of Semitic people, dusky people. So Noah's three sons ranged in complexion from dark to light and then in between. Ham, whose name means black or dark, is the father of Africans and Mexicans, Latinos, Native Americans, people with uh, more melanin in their skin, so I don't even know what the scientific, they just dark. <laughs> then you got your Caucasoids coming from Japheth. You got your Semitic people coming from Shem. Ham had a son named Canaan. Noah cursed Canaan, not Ham, but back in the day, White folk used to teach that Ham was cursed, which means that any and everyone who comes from Ham is cursed, like his sons Mizraim, which means Egypt, Put, which means Libya, that those sons are cursed. But no, if we read the Bible, the Bible says one of his sons were cursed, not the father himself. So the Canaanites inherited the land that God told the Israelites they were going to take from them by force as prophesied. Pastor, why are you saying all this? She represents probably a dark sister. She's probably a dark sister, dark and lovely. Oh, I don't see that. When I read the Bible, everybody's black. Everybody's white. You better put some good lenses on and get historical up in here, not hysterical, and see that she represents a people that are cursed. But Jesus is about to bless her and bring her on in. She represents Gentiles on the outside who've been brought near by the blood. Oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. But she goes past that religious wall because Jesus came initially and primarily for the Jews. But thank God, not exclusively for Jews. He's for all of us. Came to the Jew first. So that's what he's saying, honey. There's order in my ministry. Now, in chapter 8, he ministered to a Gentile already. So it's not that he's against Gentiles. But the teacher's giving her a test. And he wants to see, what's it going to take for you to quit? And this lady did not quit. She said, oh, I'm coming over the relational barrier, hurdling it. Whew. I'm coming over the religious barrier. I'm hurdling it. Whew. Then last but not least, here it is, here it is, strong tower. Oh, Lord, the racial barrier. Pastor, how you see race up in here? Well, verse 26, he answered and said, it is not good 
to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. <laughs> Can I go cultural? The children speaks of Israel. They're the children. They get the bread. Who's the bread? Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus says, I can't take what's given to Israel and give it to the little dogs. Who Jesus calling the dog? Well, in that time, Jewish people referred to non-Jewish people as dogs. That was a cultural norm. Doesn't make it right, but that's the way that it was. Jesus, we know that he's spiritual, yet he's not so spiritual that he's not earthly relevant. He understands the times. He understands verbiage. He understands culture. And so he uses a term that his people have historically used against those people. <laughs> Didn't learn this one in seminary. Now, the word Jesus used is not the word for a dog that means a ravenous dog with rabies that roams the countryside terrorizing folk. He didn't use that Greek word. He used a Greek word that spoke of a domesticated little dog, like a chihuahua or a poodle. But when you break it down, a dog, is still a dog. And if somebody called one of our darker sisters or lighter sisters a dog, mm -hmm. ho, ho. But look at the posture of this woman's heart. She basically says, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table from the children. In other words, if I got to be a dog to get a blessing from the Lord, well, rough, rough. She humbled herself because her need was greater than her pride. I'm going to say that one more time. Her need was greater than her pride. And because some of us have so much pride, God can't meet our needs. Why? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? And those who humble themselves, he will exalt. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Dogged out, cold name spat upon, his beard ripped out. So when he sees people go low, Oh, my. She went low. What did Jesus say? Well, she endured all of that tension, and she received the prize. I I'm done. Here it is. Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Anybody see an exclamation point behind what he said? He's excited. She passed the test. She didn't quit when it was tough relationally. She didn't quit her marriage. She hung in there. She didn't quit when religiously it got hard. She didn't quit when it was racially tense. But she kept on pressing. She kept on pushing. And because she kept on pressing, she got 
what she needed. And Jesus said, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Because had Jesus gave her what she asked as soon as she came in the house without taking her through the test, she would not have grown. But she grew through the process of that interaction so that when the blessing came, she just didn't get the blessing. She knew the blessor a whole lot better. So if you don't have it right now, that don't mean you won't get it. Or it may come in a way that you don't expect, but don't you dare quit. Why? James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life. Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. So this message is for somebody today. In conclusion, when you experience tension, don't quit. The pain you endure is not greater than the prize you will receive. Stand with me. Before Sister Stephanie comes, I want to pray. Don't you quit. Don't quit God. Don't quit his people. Don't quit this church or the church. Don't quit. Don't quit your job unless he's leading you to another job. The bottom line is, man, don't quit. Sure, your marriage is struggling, but you know what? Somebody's been in a worse situation and they made it through. You can make it through too. Why? Because Jesus is in the middle of the tension. And if you do walk away, divorce is not the scarlet letter. He still got you. <laughs> Father God, thank you. Lord, I pray for the man who texted me this week saying he just got out of jail and needed a job. But above all, Lord, you were talking to him about his relationship with you because the reason he went into jail was because he started walking in his own ways and not your way. And I thank you that you never left him even though he tried to leave you. And I thank you, Lord, that you were with him in jail and you're with him now, and regardless of what his record says, you got work for him. Because it's your will that a man works that's capable. Hmm. But I thank you that you're teaching my friend that it's not just about this job, it's about his heart. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for Edwin's testimony today to remind us that you can get us out of debt. I don't care how great it is. Because you got us out of the greatest debt of all, and that's sin. Thank you, Jesus, for putting righteousness into our spiritual bank account. Lord, I pray for the student that's on the verge of quitting school. Pray for the child that's thinking about running away. For the wife that's thinking about walking away from her family. For the person that's thinking about suicide. In the name of Jesus, we speak life.
In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would give your people faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Deposit faith in your folk to hang on in there one more day. Because you promised to give us this day what we need. It's no accident why we're here today. Speak, Lord. Thank you for speaking to me. When I get tired of school, when I get tired of being a pastor, you give me the strength to carry on. For my school teachers who get tired in those classrooms, when kids don't seem like they're paying attention, they're not ruly or they're unruly, Lord, oh God, would you give them strength not to quit? Let them see some reward in this life. Maybe somebody like that one leper that came back and said, thank you, Jesus. Bring a student back to some of these teachers and administrators to say, thank you. Thank you for our all even saying thank you to this church today to let us know that what we're doing is not in vain. But Lord, if a man or a woman, boy or girl, never says thank you to us, may we still endure. May we keep our eyes on you. Bless this church to be a blessing. Oh, yes. And do great and mighty things in us, through us, and from us. If we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Does anybody have a hand of praise that they can give to God right now? Come on. Come on. Give him no pity pat. Mm -mm. Clap your hands like the devil head is right in between your hands. Ah, you lying no good. Not anymore. Today, right now, I believe by faith who I am in Christ. By the grace of God, I am who I am. I am where I am by the grace of Jesus. Oh! All right, girl, come on up here.